Welcome back or welcome to the Humans of Triathlon or Hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with humans of triathlon from around the globe and from all walks of life Hello humans of triathlon this is Swapnil Chauhan here speaking from India along with my co-host Robin Mayal aka Radmom Robin from Oregon US unfortunately our third co-host Charles can't make it today but we've got not one but two amazing guests for you all this week and they're not just any two guests they're probably one of the more well-known couples in the triathlon world right now and one of them is even a triathlete <laughs> so welcome on the show Taryn Gazelle, aka Triathlon Taryn, and Kim Gazelle, aka NTK No Triathlon Kim. Welcome on the show, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> Very accurate. I like how you said like well known, but you but you didn't say fast because there's a lot of faster <laughs> triathlon couples out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great to have you both on the show. We've definitely been looking forward to it. You guys are like, I don't know, like the triathlon podcasting legends or something like that just celebrities <laughs> is that like- well, i say this on most triathlon podcasts that we do on our show when people are like oh it's so exciting to be here like calm down i'm in my pajamas and i didn't even plan <laughs> this i am in my pajamas still <laughs> uh, i literally just woke up from it's like 3 a.m right now in india so i literally just got out of bed and came here i like the enthusiasm well i'm out because i am dressed and at work so uh- I too am dressed, so the, lady, the <laughs> ladies are bringing it this week. Solidarity here in fashion. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Like I was mentioning, this is our first episode for 2019, so we couldn't think of anyone better to kickstart the year with. And by the way, happy New Year to you all. Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, happy New Year. A happy New Year to everyone listening as well. Wish you guys an amazing 2019. So, so how was 2018 for you guys? From what I've seen, it seemed like a pretty productive and you know, significant year in terms of both the business side of things as well as Tanya your racing. It was busy in a really good way, but I have a habit of turning really good things into stressful things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, we, we did a lot of interesting things. Uh, the, I would say the business finally turned into a business for anyone who might not know triathlon. Taryn is something that I just started as a hobby, something to do and evenings on the weekends to have a, a place that I could exercise and some of my creative juices and learn how to edit videos. And that would have been almost three or four years, four years ago now. Oh, it's been that long? Yeah. Since we published our very first video, it's been that long. And finally this year, I would say that it was to the point that it could be called a business and we could look at it as something that we mm-hmm. could potentially make a living off of and and have a nice little family business that is super fun that we get to talk about triathlon with that came some challenges as we learned how to develop software with partners and and travel a whole lot and adjust my racing schedule around travel and learn how that works so it was a ton of fun 
And uh, I mean, with fun and and as I think most triathletes are A type personalities out there, they would they would understand that uh, I have a habit of turning fun into uh, stressful fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the case sometimes that when you make a business out of something, you have to maybe guard against that. Do you do you think about that? Worry about uh, it becoming non fun? A little bit, but I have always had more enjoyment out of things that I could devote myself to completely. I never really enjoyed things that I was like kind of half in, half out. Taryn doesn't dabble well. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> dabble well. I'm either I'm either all in or all out. For example, I used to curl professionally. Uh, back before it was really cool and uh and in the, the olympics <laughs> and then the u.s u.s <laughs> team that uh are friends of mine who i i will actually put a little plug in i am unbeaten against anyone on that team um <laughs> when i when i stop curling i stop curling completely because i have a hard time just doing something for fun and i get more fun out of doing something kind of obsessively obsessively <laughs> I, I don't know i get i get a lot of a lot of enjoyment of the process of progress right um so while it is stressful and it's work i i still enjoy it more than i would just dabbling in it does it ever feel like you know too much triathlon for you at any time because you know like most age groupers they have their work and separate to that is triathlon where they can sort of forget about those pressures of whatever it is like of work and stuff but for you they're both interconnected does that ever get overwhelming? For me, no. Kim would probably have a different answer. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, no, our our life is definitely, definitely revolves around triathlon now for sure at its center, even though I, as you quite rightly said at, off the top, I am not a triathlete at all. The most triathlon-y things I do is cycling with the dogs around the neighborhood and they pull me, so I'm not even really pedaling. So, you know, that's my, that's as close as I get to any of that. <laughs> You're actually the first non-triathlete to come on the show here. Yes. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, for me, it's definitely been, you know, it started off as my partner's hobby and now it's a big part of my life. You know, I, I follow triathlon, I follow the pros and I understand a lot about the sport and and equipment and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely has taken over as a central focus in our household. It's something we talk about on a daily, multiple times a day kind of basis. But as Taryn said, it's becoming a business. And so therefore, there's a lot of other elements to it that while triathlon is the subject, I mean, there are still the business type elements that make it make those challenges different and uh, and interesting so mm -hmm. um it's you know we're we're just wading into this with a lot of a lot of unique projects and ideas things that we've never done before things that haven't really been done before at all so that learning process makes it despite the fact that yes it is focused on triathlon i mean we're both learning so much about a, a ton of different things mm -hmm. but but i got to ask and i'm sure you get asked this a lot how haven't you done a triathlon yet i mean <laughs> i would imagine that by now <laughs> Given how much you're immersed into the whole triathlon scene, like you said, you you guys host the podcast together, you travel with them to races and stuff like that. I mean, surely it would have crossed your mind at least once to give a race a go. Um, or, or is the thought of having two triathletes under the same roof just too much to handle? <laughs> that actually is a great point and a good reason why I should never do one. Um, no, uh, I mean, <laughs> one is too for much. a variety of reasons. Um, 
just a very short version. I, I dealt with a really um, long-term illness, long-term chronic illness. I, I got Lyme disease. I was bit by a tick and oh, okay. uh, had about 10 years of chronic illness. So I'm, I'm on, coming out on the other side of that, um, but was really not able to be active for a really long time. So that kind of limited any of that. And then just from an interest sake, I really hate getting my hair wet. So probably not going <laughs> to the swim portion. I do like cycling, but I hate running. So, you know. So now you're down to a single sport. <laughs> exactly. So therefore, NTK. <laughs> exactly. And they do all the work. So <laughs> yeah, if there's a sport where, well, essentially it's dog it's, sledding. Yes. Yes. You'd, I could do that. You'd be a heck of a dog sledder. Yeah, I really would. I really would. So anyway, that's, that's why I haven't done one. You know, we get asked constantly, when are you going to do one? When are you going to do one? But at, at this point, it's, I mean, realistically not on my radar until they can develop a fully not getting your hair wet swim cap, probably. <laughs> well, then you'd have to think of a whole nother acronym, you know. Right? That too. Well, just you know, I could do one and then I could be OTK, one to time trap, <laughs> yeah. <two>, maybe. <laughs> no, but still, I thought it would be great to get you on the show just to, you know, sort of get a different perspective of not only Taryn's journey and not only one triathlete's journey, but just the community as a whole. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to hear your take on things. But on the other hand, Taryn, you it's fair to say that you've done a good number of races. You've been in the sport for a while now. So take us back. In what point in your life did you find the sport and how did you find the sport? So I I didn't really come to it from a athletic background at all. I was I was a very stereotypical fat kid growing up uh got picked on a lot at one point i was up to 215 pounds and on a five foot eight frame that doesn't look good it's not easy to find jeans that are size 40 waist 30 inseam that's that's a tough one (laughs) but in university i decided that i wanted to get fit and i didn't really know how to do it my parents weren't really active people. I didn't eat healthy. I just kind of inherited their habits. So I started doing what I saw everyone around the university doing. And this was back when everyone thought they were going to be a bodybuilder. So I just started going to the gym and I saw somebody doing a bicep curl and I was like, Ooh, I bet you I could do a bicep curl. So I went (laughs) and did a bicep curl. And then I just gradually did more and more of that went from about 215 pounds down to around 175 or so, but it was never really healthy. It was like bodybuilding weight loss. Mm. So I ate nothing but chicken breast and protein powder with like strawberry protein farts all day. And it was like, it wasn't healthy and it wasn't exhilarating because you go to a gym, put your headphones on and not talk to anyone for an hour. And then you'd leave and have your protein shake and Maybe you, I don't know, you feel a little bit of pump in your muscle. So I never really enjoyed it, but I liked that I looked better. Mm -hmm. And then eventually there was a time when I got hurt lifting a heavy weight, doing a bench press that I thought I was going to be able to do. And it hurt my shoulder so bad that I essentially couldn't lift any weights. So I started walking on a treadmill and then I went, oh, geez, this is boring. So I switched (laughs) up walking on a treadmill to the next day. I went on the stationary bike and then I went back and forth and back and forth. And then for one entire workout on the stationary bike, I was looking at people in the pool going, I bet you I could swim. I swam as a kid. I could definitely do this. And then it hit me that a friend of mine who I went to university with, he was a really elite 
under 23 world triathlete, very competitive in uh, duathlon particularly. And I called him up and I said, Jacques, I said, how, you know, how do you do a triathlon? I think I want to do one. And he said, well, you enter and then you do it. <laughs> Best answer ever. <laughs> and, he, and, and he's he's like that. That's what he's classic like. Classic Jacques. Yeah, classic Jacques. Uh, great friend now. We've done some some bigger uh, marathon swims together. And, and he's just like that. He's just, well, you do it. And he was so confused. So I went and I did the first race and it was a try a try of a 300 meter swim, a 13K bike and a 3K run. And still to that day, 10 years later, that is probably the hardest race I've ever done. I believe that. And were you curling at the time as well? Yeah, I was I was curling at the time. Uh, at the time, curlers did not look like they look today in the Olympics. <laughs> the uh, Yeah, I would imagine that your focus would be more on the skill and technique of the sport rather than like health and fitness. Yeah, back then in the late 2000s, early 2010 era, yeah, you could get by with being fairly out of shape. And I was still around that 175, 185 pounds is where I would float. And it's just been the last four or five years that actually a team called Brad Jacobs, who my friend Ryan Fry is on, um, they are two Olympic gold medalists ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and they completely changed the sport, came in and approached it from like a weightlifting, powerlifting kind of standpoint, and really brought a lot of respect to the fitness aspect of curling. But that was not me at the time. <laughs> so I curled in the winter and I completely forgot about triathlon all winter for the first two or three years. And then decided in the summer that I would give triathlon another go. So the first few years were pretty unspectacular. <laughs> Was there any overlap at all between the two sports in terms of skill or mindset? I don't know if it's between the two sports or if it's between the sports in general or, or if it just goes across an approach to life in general. Sports and life in general, I really believe that you can learn how to do anything. And you might not have the natural talent for it. I'm I'm more naturally gifted to be like a caber tosser or <laughs> some, something in the Scottish Highland Games. Like I'm, I'm short, I'm blocky, I have giant legs, and my five-second bike power is through the roof, but my 20-minute is terrible. Hmm. So I'm not really built well for endurance, but I think you can always get yourself to a very proficient level with just researching it and trying things yourself. And and we've got this awesome answer machine on the internet that like really take any task that you want and you can become an expert at it in a little while. And then hopefully that with that knowledge comes a little bit of skill. I love that you've kind of transitioned from questioning the answer machine to being a huge part of the answer machine. <laughs> what what was the impetus to kind of make that leap? The first few videos that I came up with were because when I was training for the very first open water marathon swim that I had completed, it was 27 kilometers, took us, I believe it was seven and a half hours. And uh, I've got to do some quick math here on my feet to calculate that into miles, but about 17 miles. And during that process, I had a heck of a time figuring out the nutrition because when you look at all the nutrition packets they would just say take one every 20 to 40 minutes or something like that 
but it could like that's a big difference between 20 and 40 and when <laughs> especially one, in a long race like oh yeah if you get it a little bit wrong by like a four at the end of a four-hour training swim i remember shaking almost uncontrollably because i was bonking so hard and i just couldn't figure it out and then i read some materials that figured it out and i thought you know what there's no videos out there i searched and searched and searched so I started making videos originally about the nutritional aspect of it, just to put it out there. Hmm. So Kim, when did you come into the picture? When did you guys meet? And did you know Taryn back when he was a curler? I, I did. Oh, 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 we have an excellent story about that. If you want, <laughs> please you want share. To, you have Taryn's side of the story, and then you have the true story. So you just tell us which one you. Uh. Want. Um, yeah, no, I was. Uh, I used to be a television uh, reporter, and I was oh. um, the our province, Manitoba. The I I covered curling quite a bit because I covered sports. I was a sports anchor as well, and there was the provincial championships and I was covering them and I ran into Taryn at the provincial championships. We bumped into one another and he brushed me off. And, uh, <laughs> about six or so months later, we ended up, uh, reconnecting on Facebook and he claims that his brush off of me on that day that we met was purposeful. All a part of my plan, but <laughs> I don't uh, believe that. So, Anyway, um, I think he just had a snotty attitude, really, and that's all there was to it. But anyway, so that's uh, that's kind of how we met. And so he was in the thick of his uh, professional curling career at the time. And yeah, it was kind of actually just on the – I met him just on the tail end of his pro curling career. I think he curled for another year. Two or three after. Professionally, but and then just slightly lower level for that last year or so. So yeah, I've been uh, – and he'd only done a few triathlons at that at that point. So yeah, I've kind of been around since the start of it. Right. And you know, Taryn, one thing I I was listening to your podcast where you did speak about your journey. And one thing I really liked about when you started off with in triathlon, I think you first did a few uh, sprint distance and you quickly jumped to the Olympic distance after that. But then I believe you decided to go back to doing only sprints until you know you knew you were able to do that well before you stepped up to the Olympic distance again. So how did you come to that decision and was it something you sort of understood on your own? Did you have someone else guiding you in the beginning of it? Because from, from what I see, once people do, let's say, a 70.3, although they may do the short distances once in a while, but they would feel like it's like a step back if they just go for one season focusing on just a short distance mm -hmm. so when in fact in the long run that would be like one step back to take two forward exactly. so how did you sort of figure that out well i looked at it the same way that i i kind of talked about earlier that i look at everything is i had to learn the skills for it and in that first season that i raced i went back to back to back i did a try try a sprint and olympic and I noticed that as the distances got longer, there were more things that went wrong. <laughs> and I just noticed there's a heck of a lot of variables here. Like I, if I'm going to learn this, I have to eliminate as many variables as I can, get good at those, and then translate that on to learning the next set of variables. And I believe that it was probably season three that I just committed to racing sprint. And it was probably about four maybe five years of just racing sprint. Oh, wow. And since that point, I, I ended up getting down to about a 107 sprint distance race. 
Uh, and I think that's still my personal best because I haven't gone back to a sprint distance since then. But I went to Olympic and was able to transfer that speed right into Olympic because I'd figured out a lot of the variables about what my body needs, how my body reacts to training, how much training my body can handle, how I need to adjust for injury prevention, um, how I need to adjust for different conditions in a race, all of these things that when you go into an Ironman, it's really hard to identify what went wrong because there's a hundred things that have to go right. And of course, some of them are going to go wrong, but identifying what the things are that went wrong in a long distance race is really tough. But when you kind of nip off getting a mastery at a short distance, it's easier to transfer that speed and that knowledge into longer distances. So the very next Olympic distance race I did, I did a 214. Nice. Uh, the very first half Ironman distance I did, I did a 446. And the training wasn't that much more different than when I was doing a sprint. It was just kind of the same basics that I had figured out and just started translating that into slightly longer distances with figuring out a little bit of the logistics of the bike drop off and the transitions and things like that. Um, so I always recommend that that if people really want to do well in the sport, that it's a long process. And if they really want to make it to Kona and they're not a naturally gifted Olympic athlete or like Lucy Charles, where she came from an already elite background, and it's easy to transfer that over into Ironman, if you've got to build into it, start with the shortest distance possible and then gradually grow into it, just like under 19 and under 23 athletes do. We just see Javier Gomez getting into Ironman now, and he still has to learn. So why can we take those shortcuts and still expect it to go well? We really can't. Exactly. But if you want to do, so so that's one thing. If you want to do really well, as as well as your body can possibly handle in the long run, build into it. If you just want to go and experience Ironman or a half Ironman, go for it. Just don't expect to be crushing the race because you don't really know what you're in for yet. Well, and it's so unusual to have somebody go double their sprint in an Olympic. I mean, that's an impressive accomplishment. Thanks. It means you got all the details down. Ah, I, I had some uh, some encouragement from some training partners that were on my heels that day. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing you down. Yeah, yeah, we we ran across the finish line. Both of us, both of us were fighting, tossing our cookies. So that that might have contributed to a slightly fast race. <laughs> so when you get feedback from your listeners and readers and and followers, are there any things that kind of surprise you in terms of the questions people ask or the um, the things people stumble at the most? Um, I don't know. I. There isn't anything that's really shocking. The people struggle largely with the swim. That's always the biggest impediment to the sport. Nutrition as well. That that's a big thing that I get a lot of questions about. It tends to be the same thing that you see lots of articles about in triathlete magazine or on blogs or, or this or that on with Instagram posts. The things that I would I would say are a little bit surprising is that people are are fairly lost because I think the advice out there 
about whether it be swim, bike, run, nutrition, strength training, whatever it is, it's so fractured Hmm. that people don't know what to listen to. And we just had an example of somebody that sent in some questions about the new training platform that we launched and said, you know, can we add a certain amount of, of workouts on our own? I said, well, you know, I, I have to recommend what is the safest for the largest amount of people. And the individual really didn't agree with me because he had read some things from the bodybuilding industry that he was taking into triathlon. And I think because we're such a niche sport, there aren't a huge amount of, of really gold standard. This is excellent advice sources out there that are easy to identify. Uh, And the perfect example is what Jerry Rodriguez has done with tower 26 and swimming. I think he's simplified swimming. He's made it understandable. He has Sean shine. Sean Kim is the journalist here. Shined. <laughs> shown. Sean. 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 Light. Shined anyway. light. Shown. Shown. Oh, that sounds way better than anything I was getting at. He has shown a light on the fact that because athletes struggle so much with swimming, that it's easy for publications to come out with things like the nine different phases of the triathlon swim catch when really it just needs to be boiled down to get a good handle on the water rip it back move water behind you but be (laughs) yeah move water move water back and that's been the most surprising thing is how fractured people's base of knowledge is and you know now that i'm saying this i realize that i might be adding to that noise with every single video that I do. <laughs> I think something you do really well is you you put all your information in the context of age groupers because most of the information that's out there, it it's it's almost like it's always for this perfect triathlete or like someone who does triathlon for a living. But you 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 boil it down to what an age grouper can do. Well, thanks. I I come from that background and I, I think that might be why people have gravitated towards me because it wasn't that long ago that I was the guy that was battling a full body cramp because I had screwed up my nutrition so badly and had to figure it out the hard way. And we look at good coaches like Matt Dixon. I think one of the reasons why Matt is so good is because he he screwed up at the beginning of his career and he wasn't gifted from day one. So through that adversity, he became a better coach. I think maybe we also forget how many early triathletes did all the screw-ups for us. <laughs> like nobody knew what they were doing at the beginning of the sport. So there's probably 10 years of churn while people figured out various stuff that now we take for granted. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, Kim, what Mark Allen, how many figs Mark Allen said he packed in his jersey for his first race? <laughs> yeah, that is a funny no, it. <laughs> it was something like 46 figs and I was doing the math while we were talking to him like, you had 800 grams of fiber <laughs> <laughs> he said he looked like practically pregnant yeah. in his photo and he hates looking at the photos of that race yeah now there's a, there's a classic like I don't think anybody fuels their race on figs anymore <laughs> I hope not. Who knows? With keto making a comeback or making a run at things, the figs might make a comeback. Who knows? <laughs> so, Kim, before you met Taryn, you were obviously into the whole journalism, sports journalism thing. Were you aware of the sport called triathlon? And like when you first met him, what, what were your thoughts of 
him doing this sport? Um, no, I wasn't really very aware of triathlon. I mean, I knew what it was because of the Olympics and just general sports knowledge, but I'd never followed. I'd never watched a race. Um, you know, so I, th- I mean, I thought it was really cool. Um, obviously as somebody with a, a fitness sort of sports and fitness background, like I have, I, I loved meeting somebody who was into health in that way and obviously getting, meeting him when he was sort of near the beginning of his triathlon journey has been really cool as you know, we've both kind of grown in the sport. I've grown to understand how to support him as his quote unquote Sherpa and, you know, gotten to the point where I look forward to, um, to races. And like I said earlier, even following the pros, you know, I've, you can only watch so many races on TV or, or hear about so many people before you start actually, you know, caring about who's winning and who's where fin- people are finishing, how they're doing, whatever. And especially now that we've met a lot of them through doing this. I mean, of course, there's that that investment there. But um, yeah, I sort of I guess I've grown through the sport with him just in a different way and have learned how to uh, to be a good Sherpa and anticipate his needs before he needs to ask. And I know how to how and where to get all the best shots when I'm taking video and pictures for him, which was something I was doing before. Um, before he started the triathlon tear and stuff, because obviously as a uh, former journalist and and reporter and whatnot, that was my, that was just in my blood to, you know, to grab photos and stuff. So we've got a lot of early photos from his races and stuff, just because that was something that I just kind of naturally gravitated towards doing. If you 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 can ask any of our friends or family, if anybody's going to have a camera out at an event, it will be me. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I love that he does it. I mean, obviously it's this healthy lifestyle has grown and grown. And I think it's great that he, um, cares about his body and cares about what goes in it and and what he does with it and is always looking to improve himself not just from a race perspective but as a you know a healthy human being so uh, clearly as his partner that's great for me we both choose to live a pretty healthy lifestyle and um, so it just kind of works that way do you notice stuff because you've you've got the bird's eye view of the race do you notice stuff out on the course that you bring back to him that um, you know contributes to something he might do different next time? Nope. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> hey, you went by fast. That was good. Yay. That's pretty much it. Even if she did, I think one of the things she learned early on was that I don't enjoy being spoken to on race day. Nope. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, he's, he's I like a, going into my bubble. Yeah. And, and very grouchy. Any any question is met with a bark. So it's uh, it's <laughs> few questions as possible. Just figure it out myself and, uh, and kind of go from there. But yeah, no, I, I don't... Uh, Honestly, if he was doing something technique-wise wrong, I wouldn't have a clue. Not a clue. It's just, hey, you went fast. That's good. That's great. <laughs> Bye, quick. Go so. sports. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I've been following your journey for the last maybe year and a half now or so. And although your journey as an athlete has been great to watch, uh, lately as I've been thinking about, you know, what the future of humans of triathlon could be and stuff like that, I've just been more intrigued by how you've built and grown the brand of triathlon Terran and, you know, the more businessy stuff. So, you know, you started off with this nutrition videos and stuff and w- when did it become more serious? And w- when was the start of this whole triathlon? Terran? I mean, I know Kim likes to jokingly call it like an empire. <laughs> and in a sense right now, at least, I think that that's true. So like, how did it all begin? Uh, well, let me take this, this point to interrupt and say i have been following your journey since the start on instagram it's been really (laughs) cool to watch the amount of people that you are all inspiring so congratulations on that i aspire to 
to do that. I see the comments in your Instagram videos and you guys are, are a positive change in this sport. It's fantastic. So good on you. Thank you. When did this start getting more serious for me? I am trying to make a point of this not being serious, actually. Hmm. I, uh, I try to keep it still fairly relaxed and we have silly mugs and I wear my pajamas and I try to keep it in the context of even if it does grow into a empire, as Kim calls it, it's still a sport. Like we're trying to play a sport for a living. But I think what he's maybe more asking is when did when did the triathlon Terran sort of business get going more? And that was when you started daily vlogging, which was a couple of years ago. You can't well almost two years ago. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Would, so mm. that would that would have been when it started being more serious. At the time we had a social media company that we were doing some boutique social media work in the city, making some videos for local businesses and helping them get those videos seen on Facebook and doing some targeting and things that I had learned in the start of growing triathlon Terran. But I kept doing the triathlon Terran stuff while we had that company almost as R&D because I wanted to have this little thing off to the side that if I said something to a client, I knew that it was right because I'd tried it before. And I was able to suss through, okay, this works, this doesn't, this is an article that was written a few years ago, not relevant anymore, this is a really new thing, it actually does work, stuff like that. And one of the things that we researched was a daily vlog, and that was February 1st, coming up on two years ago, that we said, I think that might might really make it pop. I don't know, daily vlogs really seem to be a thing on YouTube. Let's see what happens. And that was February 1st, 2017 was the first day that we published a daily vlog. And keeping in mind that's, you know, the mid- literally the middle of our winter here and Taryn <sighs> was working not out of, you know, we didn't have the the pain cave built at home here, which is now the office. Uh, he was working in downtown Winnipeg and bike commuting at the time. So, you know, the, the daily vlog started with him trying to figure out how is he going to capture his, you know, his commute into work on in the middle of winter, and we get some of the coldest temperatures in the world here during our, our winter. So how was he going to get a camera and figure out how that was going to record and get shots while he's cycling, which is a dangerous proposition here in the winter. We don't, um, you know, there's a lot of snow on the ground, a lot of ice, uh, there isn't a ton of dedicated cycling lanes and paths that are maintained here during our winter, because clearly in this kind of weather, there are very few people who do it. So how was that going to work? So that was sort of where it all started at, you know, detailing Taryn's uh, horrendously painful cycles into work and cycling (laughs) home and, you know, fitting in his other workouts and whatnot in between there. So it it all started at kind of an interesting time. Yeah. So that, that was when it started. And then I think about seven weeks later, I raced my first Ironman branded half marathon in Campeche. I went down there with a friend who had just turned pro and we both both raced. And at one point after the race, we were walking through town and somebody came up to me and said, can, can I take a picture with you? <laughs> and I was convinced that because my friend was a pro who had just raced and she had like a low bib number, like a 61 or something like that, that they wanted a picture with her, but they wanted a picture with me. <laughs> and I was like, why? <laughs> she's, she's the pro. Like, do I got a boogie on my face? Like, what is going on? And they said, no, you do the stuff on YouTube, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess people actually watch this. So that was 
that was something that we researched and it ended up growing it fairly quickly after that and we just invested more time and more time and more time and and have made decisions that uh, just push us more and more towards doing something trying to do something for a living that is also a hobby mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I doubt you'd have gone into it into the whole thing thinking okay i'm going to do this i'm going to get tens of thousands of people following me and i'm going to make a living out of it not at all. When I first published my very first video, a friend said to me, you could become YouTube famous. And I'm like, easy there, Crystal. Um, <laughs> that's a long way away. Lots of people out there. Nobody wants to listen to somebody from Winnipeg talk about triathlon. <laughs> I'm still kind of amazed that people do. So is now is triathlon the only thing you do or do you still have your social media side of things? We do not have any social media clients left. I successfully pushed them away. I think they, <laughs> they just saw that I was spending more and more time on Triathlon Terran because a lot of the people that were clients were also followers. And, and when contract renewal time came up, just chose not to renew the contract. Yeah, yeah. we both just, in some cases, uh, I... I told these clients that we were heading more towards doing triathlon Terran and I would train up their staff or in other cases they would just not renew and and do things on their own and September 1st last year in 2018 would have been the very last day that we did much client work so it's all that we do now it isn't yet paying the bills entirely but uh, as of about three days ago from recording this we've just launched our team platform that i mentioned and that's i think a step in the direction of turning it into a business and about two days from now i'm going to go and fly to lanzarote to meet with lucy charles and create a online swim course with her i think that's another step and creating more of these things that that are actual business like it's it's a service that we can can offer people instead of just a fun and enlightening youtube video that i walk around winnipeg and my speedo from pool to pool (laughs) and kim do you work as well right now uh i do i i work uh at the university here in winnipeg so i have a i actually have a regular day job yeah and you work for us and yes and i work for for triathlon terran so i kind of i have a job and a half with your background in journalism, photography, sports, do you feel like this just is all kind of dovetailing sort of perfectly? Yeah, it's, you know, I left I left the media a few years ago and I worked in professional football up here in Canada for a couple of years and uh, left that, I guess, about a year and a half ago completely and have been completely out of it, which it was just the, the right time for me to get away from that for a bit and have just been doing communications work. So it's nice to be able to actually devote my my skills and, and things that I spent many years honing talents and whatnot towards something that really matters to our family. You know, it's um, initially, and Taryn and I talked about this on our most recent episode of the podcast, initially when he floated the idea of, well, maybe one day, you know, you can work full time for the business. I I'd said, I don't know, that's your thing. It's not my thing. But as time has gone on, and again, as I've just gotten more involved, you know, I do all of our podcast editing myself. Um, obviously, I co-host the podcast. I am doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff now with the platform and uh, just a whole bunch of other stuff. I also shoot and edit, shoot and edit video. I shot his uh, Coeur d'Alene video the entire race myself that day. So, 
it's really awesome to get to use those skills that I kind of had put to bed, but that were really a part of me for, you know, 15, 17 odd years. And um, that's great. So now that I'm I'm getting a chance to use them for something, like I said, that really is meaningful to me and to our family, it's kind of renewed my enjoyment of doing those things. And I just think it's it's pretty cool to have that to have that background and be able to contribute because otherwise, you know, I probably couldn't shooting and editing properly. Isn't, isn't an easy thing that you can just sort of pick up overnight editing audio and that kind of stuff. As you guys know, it's not just a simple thing to do when you have certain standards that you want to reach and so on. So it's just, yeah, it's been really great in that sense for me. Well, you're definitely doing a great job at it. Thanks. Do you guys feel that as you guys grow, there's maybe with, you know, more people watching any sort of more pressure on you guys because like I was going through some of your videos um, I listened to some older ones and some more recent ones as well and both of them had a slightly different tone to them um, the older one was more like just one athlete to another more casual but I think as the channel has evolved then I believe you've even gotten all your coaching certifications and stuff like that so it's become slightly more of a coach to athlete kind of tone so has that put more pressure on you to in any way, either to perform as an athlete or any other way? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely felt some pressure last year as I was gravitating more in towards coaching, and that wasn't really a conscious thing. I still don't know if I would be a, a great one-on-one coach, but I guess do a video and research a topic every single day for two years and <laughs> gradually learn a little bit more about it. And... I think just because I've learned more about it and instead of being a coached athlete myself and going through the journey, I am now more on on the other side of I, I've learned a fair bit and I do kind of want to teach. So that that tone has certainly changed. And as well, it's part of that. If I can interrupt, it's changed. But at the same time, you're still the athlete doing the workouts every day. Right. I mean, there that is it's still on Instagram, you know, showing yourself painfully going through your the other day, your 50 second easy 10 second hard intervals and, you know, and and the grimaces (laughs) while you're on the foam roller and all that kind of stuff. Like it's still as much as you are, you know, in a way, coach Taryn, you're also still athlete Taryn and and literally putting yourself through the paces every single day. Just wanted to throw that in there. (laughs) The the pressure from that does come, however, because. I, yeah, graduated into being more coach Taryn, if if we want to call it that. And had I last year gone and had a bunch of crappy races, there would have been tens of thousands of people, yeah. uh, particularly quite a few on slow twitch <laughs> that would have ripped me apart. Kim Kim has banned me from slow oh, twitch. Yeah. It's like they it's like we have him the, on slow twitch. What do they call like the the. The kitty block, yeah. The the kitty block. She's got to put one of those on my MacBook from Slow Twitch. Yeah, they they just hate him on there. It's uh, which I think is hilarious. It's and it's funny how they talk with such authority. Well, I know he's doing this, and it's like no, as a matter of fact, he isn't. But okay, whatever, guys. Go ahead, hero experts. Doesn't that mean in a way you've kind of arrived, right? Uh Like, (laughs) I wish it wasn't the case. I don't deal with that well. I have thin skin. But I'm, I'm sure with all that negativity, I mean, I mean that's obviously a small portion, though. I mean, a much larger percentage of those people, uh, of people, are inspired by you or look up to you. So, how how does that sort of make you feel, and has that changed you any way in any way, like as an athlete or human? I I don't know. I mean, Kim would maybe know better if 
if it's changed me because quite quite frankly i'm still flabbergasted and honored that people spend time watching something that i have to say because i'm just an athlete like them like i haven't won a world championship i i am not amazingly talented i've i've made it to a half ironman world championship i would consider myself now like a front of pack age grouper but i'm not outstanding in any one sport or another and quite frankly like i'm i'm inspired by them i'm inspired by the people that are going through that hard stuff cuz like i've i've kind of gone through the hard part of the doubting yourself and the wondering if you can do the race and the fear of doing it and i find that to be really inspiring hearing people go through that and i don't know to hear that people are inspired by me really cool and humbling I uh, I'm still a little bit baffled that people do it though. But I and I think interesting like you had said from me watching from the outside it's an interesting dynamic um I think hearing how much people have inspired Taryn causes him to want to work harder and make sure not to mm. let anybody down and that's a big you know that's a big part of it that people have come to expect and rely on these daily videos um the podcasts any other information. Some people follow him on every single channel, everything, every platform that he has, and they are intimately aware of the things that go on in our lives. And they rely on that. And and we get lots of emails. He gets lots of notes on all of the platforms with people saying, thank you. You are what motivates me to get off my butt every single day and do my run, do my swim, do my bike, because I see you doing it every day. And if you can do it every day, then I can do it every day. So I think there is an element of he doesn't want to let them down. And he's just nodding at me there, um, not <laughs> wanting to let the fans and, and the, the the athletes down, because they've stated how important it is to them to have that. And so that's while it's an honor, it's a pressure, I guess, but a good pressure um, to have a purpose. I think any and everybody needs a purpose in life. And when you have one and you know people are are out there saying, I need what you're doing, it just makes it easier to get out of bed and go do that. Because, you know, Taryn has those days, although I would say they're rare when he expresses, I don't want to go for my run. Now, I'm one of those people who every time I have to do exercise, oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> then I go do it and I love it and go, why was I complaining? I love that. But, uh, you know, and a lot of people, I know a lot of people are When like was this me. run that you went for? No, I said when I do my exercise, <laughs> oh, like my push-ups, okay. I'm doing a push-up push challenge right now. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that have that there is, I never, I rarely hear him say that, if ever, that he doesn't want to do that workout. But so many of us have that, that little negative voice in the head, I don't want to do it. And so you can turn on Instagram, turn on YouTube, turn on Facebook, etc. And see, oh, Taryn did his workout. Well, if he did it, I can go do it. And then, you know, we get those messages after from people saying, hey, I didn't want to, but then I did. And it's because of you and thanks. And, you know, so that just, it, it builds upon itself. It really does. Is there any big race or goal or location hanging out there that, that you have kind of in the back of your mind as uh, some big challenge in the future? Well, if I, I'm not a big future goals kind of person. I was like that in my mid or early 20s. Uh, after I got out of university, I had like the dream board of what I want to be when I'm a grown up. And I found so so soon that that changed really quickly and then it was 
it was really difficult to go through those changes when I'm realizing, holy smokes, all this stuff that I thought was important, I'm all of a sudden not really excited about it, but I've done all this planning for it. And what am I going to do 15 years from now? So I tend to worry more about like what's a really cool and fun thing that I can do in the next month and the next couple of months. I've always got Kona in the back of my mind, frankly, until I get older and probably get out of this shark pit of of the 36 to 40-year-old age group or 35 <laughs> to 39. I'm going to have a tough time getting there. But racing-wise, I, I still have ideas of what I think my body's capable of. Last year, that took a step up, and I shocked myself in a couple of races, so now the bar just gets raised a little bit higher and it's always about just seeing what more I'm capable of. And there's a few things right now that I'm testing with current science, with low carb diets, heart rate variability, um, frequency of training, things like that, that I have the luxury of testing out because I have my training facility 20 feet away from our back door and, and I have nothing but time to do it. Um, so by the way, that pain cave is epic. <laughs> oh, I've, yeah. I've got big plans for it. And <laughs> if, if the big plans are spelled endless pool, endless oh. pool. <laughs> and if I can get a big projector screen and like a tread treadmill, then, then I think it's rivaling Lionel Sanders. It's, Ooh. it's up there. <laughs> Lionel Sanders and I, we're going to have a bit of a, a pain cave bit, off? bit of a pain cave off. <laughs> how, how about a big projector screen beneath the endless pool? So Ooh. you could swim and look, I don't know. That's just a dream. I wouldn't have to look at my ugly stroke. <laughs> First time I went in an endless pool, I took three strokes and went, Oh God. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Are people watching me? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a wake up slap. Yeah. But as far as big goals, uh, you know, Kona dangles out there. Uh, I've got my first full Ironman distance. You've got some exciting races coming. Yeah, exactly. You've got Challenge Roth coming up and I think you're doing some, what are those, are the Super League ones, isn't it? Uh, as of today, the Super One Leagues are, uh, Super League ones are, are on pause. Okay. The, the travel and some arrangements with, with Super League has made it difficult with some of the timing and things like that. But that's a shame because I think that's one of the coolest races going out there. Mm -hmm. So half Ironman Puerto Rico in the middle of March, see if I can get a spot to Nice, then step up to the full distance race in the beginning of July at Challenge Roth. And depending on those two, depending on how, I guess, Puerto Rico goes, I either get to go to Nice in September or go and take a crack at... Uh, uh, where's the, I don't know, figure out what the rest of the season has in store. Mm. Looking one step down the line. Sorry? I said looking one step down the line, that is a very interesting and different approach, especially in the kind of Instagram, you know, day after New Year's giant goal setting life board <laughs> sort of approach. It's, it's a different tactic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I found it to work a lot better that if I'm excited with what I'm doing over the next few weeks, I mean, I've got long-term goals of maybe I wouldn't say long-term like hard goals, but they're just long-term. Here's a direction I want to go in. And what are a few things that I can do this week and, and today that get me a little bit closer to that. And then instead of when I make a turn in life, it's like, it's a turn of like one degree mm. instead of 180 and it shattering everything that I thought might my being was made of right. so 
it's made things kind of easier to to plan by not planning almost if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah did, uh, have you always been this charismatic and funny kind of dude do you like when you first started the videos did that are you get, are you about to ask me for money because you are really <laughs> buttering me up here <laughs> no i'm not kidding like so did, did being in front of a camera come naturally to you or was it like a process because i'll answer that <laughs> and that is no go back and watch his first video on the youtube channel you'll answer that yourself <laughs> the answer is no not no disrespect to my very hilarious and in, in-person husband but holy smokes those first videos are bad <laughs> but but it's crazy like especially where you came from right with the whole um being overweight and stuff which i'm sure it brought with it some body image issues and stuff like that but now you're like you're just roaming around in speedos all day with thousands of people watching <laughs> and, and and they're not just any speedos i recently saw one with on instagram with the own face on it yeah that was a christmas present yeah yeah, I've got I've got my face on my junk now. <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's a point that you know you've made it, that's when you've made it. When you've got your own face <laughs> on your butt, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so how how do you reach that point of being so comfortable enough with putting yourself out there in front of thousands of people on a daily basis? As a kid, my mom would probably tell you stories that as a kid I was always very showy. I liked putting on a show. However, I'm fairly introverted, so it's not like I'm I'm shy. I like being around people. I love meeting people. I I just find the energy doesn't come from say a big party. The energy for me comes from going on a a long solo ride, having a a nice long run session by myself, having some quiet time by myself. Mornings where I wake up and I've got 2 hours to myself before Kim wakes up, that's my some of my favorite times of the day those solo times are when i i am sort of most energized but i always had i guess even as a kid a background of feeling like i needed to put on a show but first time anyone picks up a microphone or puts a camera on themselves and <laughs> and you know i've i'd been talking about how showy i am for 33 years and then all of a sudden i've got to actually show how showy i am in front of a camera it's like holy smokes this is terrifying well and you do i mean uh, you know i joke about how bad the first videos were but it's hard it's hard to you know when you're not used to putting a camera in front of yourself you have an idea of what you want to say but you have to get your brain and your mouth to agree to say it in a, a certain way mm-hmm. yeah i found that was that was super tough to figure out i want to say something but it's taking me 15 minutes to say it and it still doesn't sound right. Right, which is crazy because, you know, in business uh, in business school and then in business, you were someone who did business competitions. You were presenting projects and, and things in these competitions around the world. So it was, you know, there was that element to your personality that was there. But, you know, as somebody who worked in the media and did that for a living, it's it looks easy because the people doing it are good at making it look easy, but it's not easy. And so those first few videos, like I say, I, I make fun and I joke, but realistically, it's very hard. 
Um, but he really caught on quite quickly. And, you know, and by quickly, you probably mean a hundred videos. Well, I think it took. As, but as time started to go on, you know, with the, those first videos, he had to make notes and cue cards. And then it started to, you know, where he would just have the just start to talk to the camera. And now, you know, he's as good as anybody at just talking to the camera and, and remembering what he wants to say. And really, it's practice. That is that is the key thing for anybody who does that stands in front of a camera for a living will tell you just the more you do it, the better you get at it. And now he's super comfortable. And I think that showy part of his personality can live, it can easily exist because it has an outlet. Um, but one that he's now comfortable and good at, there isn't that nervousness going on camera anymore, whereas there was at the beginning. And right. plus, it's you know, not just the part of going on camera that you have to worry about. It's It was setting up lights and using a uh, an iPhone uh, or a Samsung, I can't remember what you were first shooting with, to try to get the proper video and, you know, just learning all of it at once. So it's been it's been a huge transformation because there's been a lot of things to learn on a lot of levels. But um, you know, after this long now, it's uh, it's second nature. Yeah, that's amazing. Filled ten thousand hours. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's like I said. A, I wonder when you hit ten thousand hours. <laughs> oh, I, I think it might be close. <laughs> I think it's like I I said at the start of the the chat that you can learn anything. Like literally, you can learn anything and. More recently, thinking about when we started the podcast, the very first one that we did, mm-hmm. I think the first interview, first three interviews I remember were Mike Riley, the Iron Cowboy, and Mark Allen. Whoa. And I was preparing for like five days. <laughs> and because Kim had done this for years, I was like, we got to sit down. We got to plan out our storyboard. We got to figure out our questions, our story. What are we going to talk about? And she was sitting there knitting and she went, we just talk. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't get this, Kim. We got to have a storyline. And then you got mad at me because I wasn't preparing enough. And it was, yeah. <laughs> but she had done it for 15 years. So it was second nature to her. And probably 50 podcasts later, she stopped telling me that I sounded rehearsed and and it was because even still now like when i sit down across from lucy charles i'm a little bit starstruck and kind of nervous and i don't know hopefully 600 podcasts from now that'll go away (laughs) i can totally relate to that i mean i'm still in that phase as well big time it's tough hey like like who were your first few that you remember being a little starstruck by I think you know, we recently had one with Dave Scott. I think that was the big one for us. Oh, he's intimidating too. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> like it was, it was in during the midnight for me at the same time, and I, I wasn't able to sleep the whole night just because we had to chat with them. <laughs> so I stayed up the whole night, prepared, and all that stuff. So yeah, totally relate. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much have listened to our first podcast uh, once, and it was kind of terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a learning process. So. Like you said, you've been interviewing these big names in the sport, and I know you've, you're, like you said, you've been traveling around the world just to have these masterclass videos with Lucy Charles and Cameron Worth and people like that. So first off, like, what is it like being able to interact with them? And secondly, is there like anything in particular that you've noticed about them or taken away from them, whether that be in their personalities or their mindsets or anything like that? Um what's a, they're all so different they're all just like people but i mean some of the fun things are cam Worf. i hate that guy 
<laughs> Actually, funny story about Cam Worth. For three months before I met him in Kona, I thought he hated me. <laughs> he was trolling me on Instagram, and, That's and what he does. I was like, "Who is this jerk? This, this guy, this guy is a jerk." <laughs> and then I met him in Kona, and he was like the nicest guy, and that's just his sense of humor. So now they troll each other in private messages all the time. <laughs> yeah, now we. I told him he skips pretty good for an Australian. He had a nice sachet down, down uh, a finish shoot one day. Lucy Charles, like just a total sweetheart. Sarah True, hilarious. Like they're all just normal people. Stars, they're just like us. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're just regular people. You wouldn't think it. <laughs> but something that's consistent about all of them that I don't really know how you build this and I'm I'm trying to figure it out is they all have a belief in themselves mm. despite all of the race day nerves that we all go through. You know, a lot of them do still have all those nerves just like regular people. But when they step up to a start line or when Sarah True steps up to a track and has to do 12 400s at 75 second efforts averaging it, she knows she's going to do it. It's just a matter of executing it. And I think there's something about that level of athlete that they are able to will their body to do something that is just mentally really, really hard. And a lot of these athletes, they don't have these insanely high VO2 Lance Armstrong kind of VO2 maxes. You've got guys like Ben Hoffman that he says he's got a relatively high VO2 max, but he's able to suffer. And I think there's something about all of these athletes that's consistent that they really like the pain. Emma Pallant talked about how she looks forward to when the pain starts. And I think that's something that's different that I don't really know how to tap into that I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Mm. But that's something that I've seen across all of them. So what you're saying is triathletes are truly twisted individuals. <laughs> oh, some of them are just sick. <laughs> And Kim, what about you? I would love to hear your take on it as well, because I know you've met uh, quite a few of them as well. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really the same. It's been a, a lot of really nice people. Um, clearly, there is that common element, something that makes triathletes able to push. I, I've found that most, if not all, are you know very smart people, which I think you kind of need to be to be able to figure out how to push your body that way. But yeah, there's just there there is that. Um, that second level. Even Cam Worf? Yes, even Cam Worf. <laughs> um, Hope he listens to this. <laughs> yeah, no, just, but there's also that, there is that second level that of being able to put themselves through something like, I just, I don't know how in the heat of Kona, these athletes do what they do. It's shocking, really, um, as a regular person, and certainly as somebody who doesn't do triathlon at all, it, it mystifies me. Um, and it's really cool. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously, clearly, they're just regular people. They all started in the same place as everybody else did, which is there was a day before they were ever a professional triathlete. And they were just a person who swam, biked and ran for the, all together for the first time, you know, so just regular people. But we've, I mean, consistently have found truly nice, really nice, accommodating, kind, friendly, interesting people in triathlon. Um, and I, I guess maybe that's part of it. You know, it's a pretty special, unique thing that triathletes and the people in this world do. And so it doesn't surprise me that it's um, 
nice, but also very interesting people. You'd have to be to want to put yourself through something or to, to even need that kind of challenge. Cause it's like a next level challenge, right? It's not just, you're not just doing one thing that's hard. You're doing three things that are hard at the same time. And I just think that takes a special personality. Hmm. So let's just take away the triathlon from triathlon Terran for a little bit. Does Terran have any other hobbies or interests or anything like that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd have to think about that. Actually, no, at, at the time right now, I've thought to myself that I, let's say we go over to my dad's place and, uh, and him and his girlfriend live just a couple streets over, which is quite nice. I have a hard time keeping up conversations that aren't about triathlon at the moment because it <laughs> it engrosses our entire life right now well and you have so many irons in the triathlon fire it's you know not surprising i still go to work out of the house and talk to other people and i'm i'm a big news junkie and follow that sort of stuff as well so i mean i can it's you're just engrossed in a lot of things that we have going on right now that take your your full attention but what would be interesting that i do out of triathlon nothing i'm reading some good books <laughs> lately went through the harry potter series all 2018 that was really exciting what about on the business side of things do you follow or look up to anyone in that area it, it tends to be people that do a thing a certain way that is very impactful on the world but small in scale Mm. Uh, Tim Ferriss is the first one that comes to mind. Somebody that can touch and influence a lot of people by putting out really good, helpful content, but isn't necessarily a gigantic business that runs them. And I found out something about myself that I didn't think I would, I would actually enjoy when I was getting out of university where we were just brainwashed in business school that if you aren't growing, you're dying and you have to be the CEO of a 5,000 person company. And that's basically, that's what we call a small business here, students. <laughs> and that was what we were conditioned to think was success. And very quickly when we did the social media company and launched that, and we started getting some traction and a bunch of clients, I didn't like it. I didn't like that the business was all of a sudden running me. And I thought about it and I was like, what well, if you're not growing, you're dying. That that doesn't make any sense. Like that's just basic math. Who's the idiot that came up with that one? Like, how about if you're making a difference in the world? If you're making if you're making a difference, you're doing okay. If you're happy, you're doing okay. And it, on the business side, I mean, from our standpoint, if we grow to be Kim and I and Mel edits the videos and maybe we've got some freelancers abroad that help with the podcast or shooting when we're on location or something like that here or there. A little three-person company that is really fun to be a part of every single day. Like, heck, I'm pretty happy with that. Forget the other 4,997 people that all the professors claimed I needed. Hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So guys, as we wrap things up here, just a final few questions. So what's the message you would want people listening to take away from your story? Ooh, that's a big one. Um, I guess if there's there's anything that I would recommend, uh, and I say this a lot in my videos, it's that whether it is business or triathlon or cycling or a marathon swim or whatever it is, I've always found the greatest excitement and fulfillment by doing something that was just a little bit scary 
like not so scary, like a 10 out of 10 scary that I would never even attempt it, but like a seven out of 10 scary, like doing the full Ironman distance right now, it scares me a little bit, but that motivates me to work at it and it motivates me to learn about it. And through that motivation and the process of doing it and the learning about it comes came the growth. And that was when I had the most fun, whether it was business or the marathon swim or the first few videos I did. It was always that learning process and it was that little breadcrumbs of steps forward that I had the most fun with. And I think there's lots and lots of studies that that come out and say that learning and and going through things that are new experiences are what ends up resulting in a really fulfilling life. So if people are in a situation where they're maybe at a job that they're not excited about, or they're in a physical situation that they're not excited about, enter a race or take on a project that scares the hell out of you and see what happens. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Kim, what about from your perspective? Um, I think it's just, if you have something in mind that you want to do, do one thing every day to put you closer to that thing. And so even if it's a small thing, uh, you know, whether it's a business idea that you have in mind or you are wanting to do your first triathlon or whatever it is. I mean, in my case, it was finding answers to my chronic illness. It was doing something every day, never. And, and it didn't always have to be a big thing. It doesn't always have to be a huge, huge thing. But just if it's make one phone call, if it's get out and walk around the block, you know, whatever the thing is that's going to get you a little closer, don't, you know, just try to do a small thing every day and you'll be amazed at how quickly those things start to add up and uh, get you closer to where you want to be. Mm, yeah. Love that. Uh, are there any people or brands you'd like to give a shout out to? Ooh, we've got, we've got lots. <laughs> Team Trainiac for starters. <laughs> yeah. All the people that are taking part in the new team, that is huge. That is a, a huge honor that people have entrusted us to take care of their training for this year. So big shout out to them and Scody. Uh, they are our kit supplier, Ventum, um, SP2 Life. I get a lot of hatred for this one, but the frozen spirulina pods. That they <laughs> they're are, amazing. They're, I don't know what people's problem is, but that stuff is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of hate on that when I talk about those, but they are fa- fantastic. And there are a lot of these companies that don't pay me to say this, like Ventum doesn't pay me a dime to say good things about them i actually approach them because i like their bikes so much who else i feel like i'm for sigmatic your for sigmatic (laughs) fluid running yeah we're we're very lucky to get to deal with a lot of we have we have some good supportive companies yeah some really cool companies that want to be involved awesome all right and before we ask our final question tell everyone listening what's the best place to find you online (laughs) many places Mm -hmm. triathlon terran all the things it, fortunately, there there aren't a lot of triathlon Terrans out there. I'm, my mom made the joke that if I was triathlon Steve, <laughs> this never would have happened. Tri- triathlon Carl, like nobody would listen to triathlon Carl. <laughs> then I would have had to fight for the handles everywhere. But triathlon Terran, T A R E N. We have a website, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Twitter, but I'm never on Twitter, all under Triathlon Terran. Best place would probably be YouTube. Perfect. Awesome. And to everyone listening, if you don't follow them already, would highly recommend you do so. They have a number of resources for triathletes of all levels, really. 
and and we didn't dive too deep into Tyron's entire journey into triathlon and his weight loss and stuff like that. But he's talked about that in many of his videos and even on their podcast. So be sure to check all that out. It's some really good stuff. And our last question is, why do you try? I try to see what we're capable of. And I always try to set the goals with something that I don't think that I'm capable of. And I think it's through potentially reaching those goals or not even reaching those goals, but at least going through the process of having something out there that maybe just dangles a little bit outside your reach that allows us to grow. And I find that growth super exciting. Awesome. It was great having you on the show, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. This, (laughs) This was an honor, really. When you reached out, I was very excited. So thank you very much. And before we leave you, another exciting segment of CCC Community Comments with Charles, where we review what is the people saying about the hot podcast, and maybe next week could be you. So for the first episode of season two, we go all the way to California, the state with the bear on its flag, and home to Ironman Santa Rosa held every year in May. So it goes something like this. I worked the graveyard shift as a night ICU nurse at a vet clinic for horses. My circadian rhythm is always out of whack and it can take a toll on my training. Listening to this podcast while I do my rounds reminds me that I am so lucky to be able to compete in triathlon. The amazing stories tell them uh, motivates me uh, to get on my bike or get in the pool when I get off shift at 6 a.m. Thank you guys for finding the most varied and inspired stories. They make my night. And this one comes from Ryan Elizabeth, who is at Iron Woman Rye on Instagram. And you can find her on her website, thetravelingtriathlete.com. Thank you very much for this, Ryan Elizabeth. And um, guys, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Strava, and even on our own website, humansofriathlon.com. Come see you next time. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. We hope you're enjoying the guests and conversations we're bringing you here on the Hot Podcast. The show notes for everything mentioned or discussed during the chats can be found on our website, which is humansoftriathlon.com forward slash hot podcast. And thank you all for being a part of this community. We really appreciate it. And be sure to join us again next week where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon. Until then everyone, keep trying.